For most people, running online businesses will be like a roller coaster ride. You will have years where you make a lot more than most people, and years where retrospectively working at McDonald's would have been a better idea. Because of this fairly extreme uncertainty, the question of how much you should pay yourself is not as straightforward as you think it might be. In today's episode, we will attempt to break down the different models you can use to know exactly how much money you should take out of your business to make the most of it in times of growth and in times of, well, not growth. Let's get started. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. We are back with Mark today, and we are going to talk about money. I think that's a topic that is not talked that much about in online marketing. Like A lot of people talk about how how they make money, but very few people talk about how to keep their money or like how to manage their money after they've made it. Yeah, there's a big difference between revenue reported and how much money you end up in your bank after taxes, profit, and everything else. Yeah, and so I, I, to be honest, it's it's as important, especially as you're getting successful. It's, it's as important as as making the money itself. Because uh, to be honest, hanging out with a lot of people, it feels like you know I don't have the, everyone's numbers and everything, but it feels like a lot of people might make high revenues, but after everything's paid, and all oh, things are just not not paid or whatever, it's not that much left, or it's not very well managed, and it kind of like hinders the success they have in actually generating that revenue, which is a bit of a shame, to be frank. So I think today we, I want to talk about all this stuff because I, I feel I see a lot of people making you know, suboptimal decisions, basically. So let's get started right away with the topic. I think the first thing you wanted to talk about, it's mostly going to be Mark talking, by the way, because Mark handles a lot of uh, the business side of things, like these kind of like finances, et cetera, for us. So Mark's going to talk more like as the expert in his podcast. And I'm going to be kind of like the outsider asking questions. Obviously, I know a lot of this stuff already, but it's just going to... Maybe like you kind of have that knowledge curse mark where you assume people know things that maybe they don't know, et cetera. So I'm going to try to dumb it down a bit. I'm, I'm the, the less smart person on this podcast. I guess the first thing you want to talk about is when you shouldn't pay yourself. And I think that's an important one as well because I think people might pay themselves when they don't need to at some points. Yeah. So, I mean, really what I wanted to say here is if you're new, if you're starting out, you have two choices when you start making money. You can take that money withdraw that in the form of some kind of salary or dividends or some other kind of payment from your company to you individually and suffer tax and all these kind of things on it. And then you can spend that on, I don't know, rent or whatever else you spend your money on, Rolexes. Probably not Rolexes. High Charles Float. Yeah. I just bought one. That's right. Oh, really? He <laughs> yeah, just put it on Facebook. That's right. Oh, dear. Okay. If you're making... 1k a month i wouldn't recommend buying a rolex so let's let's start off with there okay captain obvious you say but to get back to the point right you need to make a decision are you going to take that money which that revenue which you've generated are you going to withdraw it for yourself and spend it on whatever you want or are you going to reinvest that in in growth and for the majority of people who don't have you know some kind of super urgent or looming financial burden in their personal life that's, that's coming up, when you're starting out, when you're you know making one, two, even four or $5,000 per month, usually it's actually best to reinvest that money into growth because with just a little bit of content, a little bit of links investment, 
money invested into to those activities, uh, you can sort of grow your website faster and then start reaching the, the five figures a month level even faster. So that's not to say that, you know, when you start making two, 3,000 a month, you can't take a bit out for your yourself. You, you absolutely can. Just realize that you're doing it. You will be doing it at the expense of the growth of that's what i was looking to say yeah exactly i think it's important it's like you know especially because when you add content to your site or you create links right they will create value for the foreseeable future like unless you're like in a a niche like let's say pc parts for example like pc parts you know like three times a year they refresh right like if you cover like nvidia graphic cards you know like there will be a refresh in six months or something if you are in something a little bit more evergreen, it's very likely the content that you put on your site is going to serve you for like two, three, four, five years. And so it's very hard not to make a profit provided you already have some revenue. Like if you're, if you're at the level of revenue where you're like a couple thousand dollars per month on your site, like you know what's working, you know what's not working in terms of content types, you already have some authority. So if you, even if you post and the article is like semi-successful, it gets like a couple of hundred visits per month, let's say. Over two or three years, like I would say 90% of these articles are ROI positive and profitable. So the money you're taking today, you're taking $100. That could have been $1,000 in three years from the content you would have bought from this $100. So it's, you're sacrificing a lot of money down the line when you're at this stage, basically. So you can get into a real sort of mindfuck with this kind of stuff when you think, okay, what's the opportunity cost of like investing that money in a seven eight percent stock market type fund of some kind and then if you create that as being the default action against everything else you you do then like it's costing you money just to have it sitting there in your bank account not invested in all this kind of stuff it's it's going way off what the topic of this podcast was (laughs) (laughs) okay so let's go back to the topic of the podcast what is the level of let's say like we say we're investing in your site is good but like at what point like, what's the threshold in your head where you're like, okay, now I can start paying myself? Obviously, I guess it's not going to be a fixed number, but like, what would be the signs that you're looking at when you're like, okay, now I can start taking some money off. I don't need to reinvest everything in my... Sure. Service. So there will probably come a point after you start making something in the, the low to mid four figure range. There'll probably come a point where even if you want to spend all the money you're making to reinvest it in content, you can't physically do content and links. You can't physically spend that money fast enough. That's assuming you're not going to like agencies and stuff for for links, which you can obviously spend very, very quickly. But if you're doing it right and you're doing it yourself, then you will probably become the bottleneck in your your own kind of business. And that will act as a sort of limitation or, or funnel, which you can't, or throttle rather on your spending. And what when you feel you're at that point, you basically have two options. You can then start hiring organizational people to manage your content and, and that kind of thing, uh, and link building as well. Or you can start taking profit at that point because the, the yeah, because you can't spend any more money on your business basically at, at that point. That's it. I want to add one more thing to to the things I would look at, and I've talked about that several times when we talked about the case study of the site we sold. You know, it's like the decreased margin, marginal gain of each new keyword you add to your site. So when you start a site, like you find these really low hanging fruit keywords, where it's like really low competition and you can monetize and it's really easy, et cetera. But you know, when you've done a couple of hundreds of these, the, the extra keywords you add to your like keyword spreadsheet, content creation spreadsheet, et cetera, 
they're not they're not as good as the first ones you found. It's just like there's a limited amount of these really golden nuggets in every niche. And so you kind of like left that. Well, either I start a new site where, or like you know, I expand my maybe my my niche or something, so I can like you know reach other sub niches that have similar level of like golden nuggets. Or you start getting into that thing where the ROI of the extra content you're adding on your site is not going to be as high. It's still profitable, but it's not going to be as high as it was when you were hitting with these really like really good golden nuggets. It's not just the ROI you have to consider, but it's like the time to make a return. So when you start targeting medium and high comp keyword difficulty keywords in more sort of competitive niches, especially, then as a new site, it can take years of you growing your your domain authority before you can really realize any kind of return on that keyword and have any chance of ranking close to page one for the the keyword. So you have to kind of think of that as well. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad idea to kind of target that keyword early on. Yeah, down the line is good, but it takes yeah, time. Yeah. yeah. So and again, this this sort of comes down to what's your objective here? Are you trying to build a, a lifestyle business that can support you as you travel the world? Are you trying to you know, flip this in 18 months and, and make six figures? Are you, or is this like a, a passion project that you own for a very long time? Those factors will, will play into it as well. Just because I hate when people say, give the whole, it depends answer. If I was starting myself a business and I hadn't had any like previous experience in terms of like knowing how far you know this could potentially go and i was looking just to build something that can support myself maybe living somewhere in europe or maybe traveling around i would try and sort of i would be into the sort of like two and a half three k a month range in of revenue before i started taking money for for myself yeah i would even try to go high i mean it depends how much money you have in the bank at that point today, if we started, I would even. But what, like, I'll explain about like the sort of mechanism to how you calculate how to pay yourself in in a sec because like a lot of people do it kind of how I think a lot of people do it the traditional way, but which is they pay themselves last. So most entrepreneurs will let's say they make five thousand dollars in a month, they will then pay all their costs, their team, their office bill or whatever else, whatever hosting fees, all these kind of stuff, they'll pay all that. And then they'll say, oh, well, how much is left over? And then they'll pay themselves the remainder or a percentage of the remainder maybe. And what that means is that entrepreneurs are very, very good at making money. That's like what we as a species, for want of a better word, are, are kind of have ingrained in our minds, like, but also very good at spending money. And so if you give an entrepreneur a budget, he or she will be able to spend that budget. And what often happens with um, you know more inexperienced entrepreneurs who maybe haven't run a business before is that they they start making some money and then they think they have to spend that and they have to spend all of that in order to to grow. And it's almost like they get into this trap of just spending all their money and ending up with zero and they're kind of themselves broke yeah. at the end of the day. And you know, I've I've met quite a few people unfortunately who are in that position there was a period of our our time back in the agency days where we were weren't quite in that position i think with the fact that we lived in budapest and was so cheap kind of saved us a bit but we definitely didn't feel like wealthy by any means at, at that stage yeah but even though the agency was making like decent amount of money like it was like a lot of people would like to make this much money from our business you know 
And so I always meet these people that like, you know, like they're like, oh, I have a seven figure business, et cetera, but, you know, stay in the cheapest yeah. Airbnb, you know? And it's like, uh, it, it, this is where, you, where there is problems, basically. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. I think a lot of people end up in this situation. And even a lot of people that are seen as very successful, et cetera, are ended up in these situations as well. And, and we have been there too at some point. Like, it's not like we're pointing the finger, ah, ah look at what they're doing, et cetera. Uh, we've been there for many years. Uh, so we're talking with experience. Like, we, we were never broke. Like, it's like I never, like, struggled paying the bills or anything. But like we never, like we're not doing better than like a decent job, basically many times, you know. Exactly, and it felt like, well, why are we putting all this effort, all these crazy hours into building a business when you'd be making just as much, if not more, by not working with McDonald's, but like working in a some like you know for an office doing SEO for some company or something. But the the way the where this comes from is that many entrepreneurs think that they're taking all the risks, so they should get all the reward. But they should be the ones who suffer if, you know, the company doesn't, if there's not enough money left over at the end of the month to, to pay them. That's the mentality. And it's not sort of like a, it's a necessarily bad mentality, like the risk reward side of things. But the reality of this is, is a little bit off. If you pay yourself last, you will often end up with zero just because the amount of money you make is finite, but the amount of money you can spend is, is infinite. It's kind of like a Parkinson's law for money, you know? It's like, you know, Parkinson's law is like time expense that, like the time to to make something happen, expense to the time that you have available. And money works kind of the same way as well for a lot of companies. And that coupled together with that kind of like, um, like two, yeah, 2010s Silicon Valley mentality where it's like gross over profit, you know? Exactly. This is so true. And uh, it, it really pains me when I see see people people doing this. It's also kind of um, a, a sort of budgeting thing. You know, you can think a lot of people think, oh, I make $2,000 a month salary or income or whatever however it is, but they have this kind of budget in their mindset. And then they, they basically just spend it all. And if their salary goes down, they'll, they'll spend less. If their salary goes up, they'll also spend it all. And they never save any money. And they, you know, they're kind of caught in this paycheck existence forever a lot of people that make a lot of money are in that yeah like a lot of people that make like six figures a year are still in this mentality as well like it, it oh yeah yeah up. i know firsthand people who, who who are in this kind of rat race for want of a better word i'm pretty so, sure who you know i know who you're talking about but no names here and that's part of the reason that i became an entrepreneur in the first place is because i was drawn by the idea of like not being in this sort of living to paycheck to paycheck thing which you know most or a lot of people who who have regular jobs are so fall fall into. I just wanted to come back to this Silicon Valley thing. So it's like it's been something that's been quite big for for a number of years. That to be honest, a lot of big startups are coming back on. But when there was a kind of like crazy growth product of startups in Silicon Valley, like I'd say, like you know, end of the years two thousands, beginning of the years two thousand tens. A lot of VC money was thrown around and, you know, it's kind of like the electric scooter companies these days, right? Then they're losing a shit ton of money, same as Uber, same as all these kind of like new kind of disruptive type startups. So it kind of works for these really big markets that have huge potential like Uber. You know, when they sell driving cars, they could make massive profits. But the problem is that the same logic kind of trickles down to like lower level investors that don't nearly tackle as big markets and eventually end up trickling down to people that run like authority sites, you know? But the thing is, the logic is so different when you're running. It's essentially like what I call a me-too business. Like we're not really coming up with something new. It's more like execution game, like creating a better site, but like you don't necessarily invent the niche, you know? And for these kind of things, then 
you're not going to disrupt the market. You're not going to take over the whole market. You are going to become a player in the market. You can get quite wealthy doing that, etc. But you're not exactly, you're not fighting for market share the same way that these, like, you know, the Lime guys are doing or like Uber is doing, etc. And for that reason, throwing all your money at your project without taking anything and essentially just being like all or nothing, it won't work because it's it's a market that is already established with multiple players that are not going to bulge despite your massive investment. So it's you're risking everything with no potential upside of being the one big player in the market like these big startups are, which is really interesting to see that people don't really take the distance from that. It works for these really big markets, for the huge VC firms, it totally makes sense, but it just trickles down and people don't really apply critical sense and just manage tiny projects the same way that multi-billion VC companies try to grow their company. I love it. We're so getting into the realms of the psychology podcast right here. <laughs> yeah, it's, we're teasing it, you know, we're just like, te- like, and then people will join, you know. <laughs> Another sort of construct that's, which is going on here is that you generally experience diminishing returns in terms of uh, what you get for money when you invest it in your own business. So the first $1,000, $2,000 you invest in growing your business, you will get a lot of value for that. And it, you could probably see results quite quickly if assuming you're kind of smart about it and stuff, but you can get results quite quickly and you can tangibly see you're getting a return from that. If you drop a million dollars on on your business, then the last 500,000 or so, you probably won't see move the needle quite as significantly relative to to the first half of it. So, you know, it's just something to bear in mind. I talked previously about the idea of entrepreneurs being poor because they pay themselves last. So the counterintuitive solution to this is to pay yourself first. And this this mentality comes from a book called Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. I think it was published initially in another one of his books, but he wrote a whole book about the Profit First methodology. This is something which Kurt from Kavertica, yeah, he's in a mastermind with with us. He he put me onto this and I was reading this book and it just sort of like really s- stood out to me. I got got sort of hooked on the system. We were kind of already doing a basic form of it previously, but what it is is whatever money you make, you define specific ratios that you apportion that money before you you, you spend on anything. So let's say you make ten thousand dollars a month then you may have 50% of that will go to your profit account and you physically move it to a different bank account, which, you know, in the book, they talk about it being really difficult to move it out. So, you know, it's stuck in that profit account. You move, you know, maybe 10% to your war chest, which is like your kind of emergency fund in case you get sued or in case, you know, something happens and you need to hire a consultant fix your website or whatever. It's kind of like an emergency rainy day fund. Then you will maybe stick... I don't know, 10% for taxes, depending on where you live. Uh, and then maybe you put, uh, of this is of your revenue, remember. And then maybe you put the rest to like an operational expense cost and you can pay your your staff and you know other expenses and stuff out of there. That's the the high level theory of what it, what it is. You know, the book basically tells you to do that. I would still recommend buying the book because it's, it's really interesting read. We tried to implement that specifically an authority hacker and it doesn't work exactly like that because the way an online business works is you generally have lots of you know paypal subscriptions and credit card subscriptions for your hosting for maybe your your writers you're not 
you know, you're paying them as they finish the work, if they're freelance or sometimes in advance. So it's just not really feasible. And PayPal itself is a bit sort of iffy about having multiple accounts. You, it's, it's that, in fact, it's not iffy. It's just flat out not allowed. So you can't really implement the system as, as it was intended, but you can sort of do that in, in, in principle, you know, every month or every couple of weeks. But you, you don't need to sort of like just attempting to do it is enough and you'll see a difference. It doesn't have to be absolutely perfect. Don't stress too much about that. But our experience of, of doing this has basically been that since we started this approach, we've paid ourselves a lot more money, first of all, which is very nice. We've built up a really nice kind of war chest where we, you know, if something bad happens to the company, we can afford to deal with it, like no problem. We never worry when tax season comes around because we have all our savings, more than enough savings for it in an account right there. And it's forced us to be, and this is the most important part of the whole process. It's forced us to be a lot more sort of strict with our own spending. This is something that happens when you, a lot when you, you grow and especially when you start having multiple sites is that you, you acquire all these subscriptions and people doing certain tasks for you, working for you and software tools, which you tried, which are on recurring billing and all this kind of stuff. Just it stacks up over time. You forget to cancel it. You don't look at it and it just, it, you know, it sort of eats a hole in your, in your profit essentially. But by only having a much more limited pool of money to pay for stuff, it forces you to use your entrepreneurial skill, which you already had because you wouldn't have gotten the business off the ground if, if in the first place, if you didn't have the skill, but it forces you to use that entrepreneurial skill to spend money wisely and on things which are going to move the needle and are going to deliver value for you. And that's really the key thing. We've cut out a lot of like really just useless expenses from our company and, and, you know, one or two people as well are going to say that that weren't you know roi worthy and you know we've we've slowed down some projects we've it's also showed us where we really make a lot of money from and we kind of focused a bit more on that but the whole exercise has just been hugely motivating that's kind of how it works the reason i'll say why it's hugely motivating sorry is because you receive a fixed percentage of how much revenue you generate. Now, you can tweak this depending on exactly how your business operates, what kind of margins you have. In our our line of work, we have pretty high margins because we don't have any fixed costs. You know, if you're an e-commerce company, it's going to be where you have to buy products. It's going to be different, obviously. But knowing that you are going to receive a fixed percentage of, of revenue is very, very motivating for you to grow your revenue. So if you have a new idea for a website or a, a, a new content hub which you want to try out or some new link building tactic which you're going to deploy and grow your domain authority, then great because you're going to see a return from that. If you're just if you're just sitting there you know, paying yourself the same, exact same fixed salary per month, the motivation is not quite the same. I know that, you know, you may be the business owner and it increases the value and you can argue that, oh, you know, I could potentially sell this for, for X, but there's a human psychology thing going on here where what you have, your resources, which you have in front of you, you value a lot more than potential resources or theoretical resources or long-term resources. You know, it makes me think of, uh, of the whole crypto craze, you know? So, like, you know, people put their money in, in Bitcoins or whatever. 
And then they're like, oh, going to the moon, like we're going to make so much money and just like essentially just same thing, capitalizing on future value, you know? Yeah, they, they went to the moon and they went back again as well. Yeah, yeah. And then they went underground, you know? Now, now it's going back up, but like it's, it's still like it's like a lot of people lost a lot of money still at this point. And it shows that and things for websites, the same can happen. I mean, there's been a broke Argo update recently. It's kind of a repeat of Medic, it seems. But what it shows is like these things can swing quite a bit. There's a lot of uncertainty that comes with online business. And at the times at which you make money, this method allows you to just extract the value when you're doing well. And to be honest, if you listen to people like Warren Buffett, et cetera, for investment, they will take you, tell you to take your some gains out when you're doing well. And that's the way they get rich. Like most people imagine that they get rich by just doing this fucking massive acquisition or something. And boom, they just go from zero to multimillionaire. But the truth is most people get rich from like small things that add up over time. It's so true. Like this is this is such a key point. If you want to be rich, stop thinking you're going to win the lottery by selling your business for hundreds of millions of dollars to Mark Zuckerberg at one point. That that happens to like five people in the history of the world kind of thing. Yeah. But they get so much coverage. Like that's the thing. It's kind of like accidents, you know, like most people die from, from stupid reasons. But when the car crash or when the shark attacks someone that's surfing, then it gets all the coverage. And like people imagine that's how they're going to die. But truth is, you probably not die that way. Works the same for getting rich. It's like most people get rich in a very boring way. It, that doesn't really get covered. What gets covered is the sensational story of the guy that just won the lottery. And as a result, it just distorts your vision of what is possible or not because of the coverage and because of all the media you consume and the books, et cetera. One of the best things I've done is about three and a half years ago, I started a, a spreadsheet. It's like Mark's net worth spreadsheet. And uh, I have all of my bank accounts and savings, <laughs> savings accounts and you know all these kind of things, even like the value of my car and that kind of stuff, which I depreciate every month. Not a great investment to buy a car, by the way. But I track all that every month in the middle of the month. And then I just look at it over time. I have a nice graph and stuff. And just becoming aware of that and just knowing kind of that your actions will affect this, it makes you much more kind of like financially responsible. You're thinking, oh, I could buy this or I could spend this money or I could get this holiday or something. But how is that going to affect my net worth spreadsheet next month? That's that's what's going on in, in the back of my mind. And it's it's really prompted me to make like a lot better financial decisions, I feel. Okay. I think it's good. But I think now we need to get more into the actionable part of things, like how you actually do it, et cetera, and like technical side of things, et cetera. So like I, you talked about dividend and salary earlier. And I wanted to ask you like how should people split that up? Let's even re explain what a dividend is, you know, how it's calculated versus like a salary and what the pros and cons of using each is. So most people when they start online marketing they will just be you know have built a website they won't even have a company or anything set up this is a question a lot of people ask is should i set up a, an llc or a limited company before I, I set everything up i always say people know you know get your website going get it on track see some growth once you start making a few hundred bucks a month then you can look into all that stuff because it's just, otherwise it's going to be a distraction and in many countries it's going to cost a bunch of money to set up for legal fees and opening accounts and all that stuff so don't bother doing that but very quickly it will become very worthwhile for you to set up a an llc or a limited liability company in, in whatever country you are 
especially if you're making money from Amazon, by the way, because if you don't, then there's a withholding tax. And a lot of people don't realize that they're that they're actually paying that. So if you're listening to this, check how much money you received from Amazon last month and check how much money uh, you actually made in commissions on Amazon last month. If there's a 30% difference, you're paying tax on that. If you have a, a limited liability corporation with a tax number in your country and a relevant treaty with the US, like double taxation treaty, which most kind of most big countries, most major countries will, will have this, then you can fill in the form on, on Amazon's site and so be exempt from that. But to get back to my point, but the question you asked was, should you pay yourself salary or dividends? Well, it depends. Here's what it depends on, though. When you pay yourself a salary, you are paying that before corporation tax. So let's say you make $10,000 and you pay yourself a salary of $5,000. Your company's profit is reduced from $10,000 to $5,000, right? This of gross profit. Then you suffer corporation tax on that. And then that's on the $5,000 less. So if you increase your salary, you decrease the amount of gross profit and therefore decrease the amount of corporation tax, but you increase the amount of money you receive. So in an ideal world, we would all pay ourselves everything in, in salary because it is the best scenario in that situation. However, what, what usually stops us, and this varies from country to country, is income tax. So most countries will levy an income tax and usually some kind of social security, national insurance. They, they change the name. It's usually the same thing some kind of percentage on salaries and depending on where you live and how much you make that can be quite significant usually in europe you know if you make over and this really varies from country to country but over like fifty thousand dollars a year you get into like higher tax brackets and in some of the scandinavian countries and belgium and stuff you can be paying you know 60 percent tax on on any income which is a lot I know some people, I'm not going to say who, one of our friends in a country in Southeast Asia um, doesn't pay any tax at all on any of their income or any of their corporations. I, I was absolutely astonished by that. But, you know, there is a big difference worldwide. Some countries are a bit more kind of relaxed about following up on these things, it seems. The thing is, like, there can be precedent. And if you ever want to go back to your home country after that, like, justifying where you've been paying tax is going to be complicated. I know a lot of people that do what we do do that. But really, you're crossing off a lot of opportunities in your life for the future when you do that. So it's, I would not recommend it. Yet. There's So the alternative thing to taking salary is to pay yourself a dividend. So after your company makes a profit, then you pay corporation tax. Then you have undistributed profit it's called it's like a bundle of profit which you pay tax on which you can then distribute to the shareholder or shareholders if there's more than one of you of your company and then you still have to pay in most countries a dividend tax however the dividend tax is usually not always but usually lower than the income tax which individuals pay and in most cases with dividend income, you don't have to pay national insurance, social security fees as well. So it usually works out in most countries that it's optimal to... Except in Hungary. <laughs> no, that, that's the same in Hungary. No, we pay, we pay social security stuff. Yes, but it's, it's limited. It's capped. It's uncapped with income. So yeah, usually how it works is it's best to pay yourself a salary up to whatever like low, minimum, medium threshold your country has on that. In the UK, for example, you can pay yourself 
think it's like twelve thousand pounds. What's that like fifteen thousand dollars a year? And there's basically almost no tax, just a tiny bit of social security on on that first amount. So you can you can pay yourself that. So why not? You know, it makes sense to use up that tax allowance and then pay yourself the rest on dividends. Most people in the in the UK will do that. So those are really the key things you have to look at when when deciding how exactly to distribute the money you've made. Yeah, that's basically it's worth spending some time on this, like figuring it out once and for all. The thing is like laws do change regularly as well, like tax rates, etc. So it's worth also keeping an eye on that. But after you reach a certain size, you'll probably hire an accountant that should keep you aware of all of that. But yeah, it's worth figuring that out initially. And if you optimize it, you can save a lot of money. It's like, once again, what's the point of doing really well with your site if you're just going to throw it all away by like paying yourself a salary and getting a higher tax bracket and give 60% of that money to taxes? Yeah, so you know, being aware of the, the tax bracket is a very important thing. And, and once you start to get you know, into the higher tax brackets where you start paying 30, 40, 50, in some countries, even 60% of your, your salary to tax, that's when you probably start questioning where you live and should I move to a different country and and these kinds of things, as as one person we know has has done who recently moved to, to Hungary because the, the tax situation in Hungary is actually quite nice for, for business owners at least. So that's important. The other thing which is important is your tax year. So January to December, you would think, would be the most logical way to run a tax year the same as a calendar year and in hungary they do that in the uk it's april 6th to april 5th for reasons you know so if you're coming up to the end of a tax year you might want to make sure you've maxed out all your allowances and uh, of the bracket you want to pay tax in and then you know you can pay the rest literally the next day if it's in the following year and then you know all the allowances and stuff reset other things which are important is Think about your your kind of expenses. So if you're running a internet company kind of thing, like running authority sites, then probably going to be working off of a computer. You're probably going to need a phone. You may have you know printer and headset, microphone, all these kind of things. All of these are allowable company expenses, and the rules change slightly from from country to country. I've seen some people who somehow managed to claim all of their meals as uh, like all of them as company expenses. But I'm not quite sure how that that works. But they'll rent yeah. as well. Like a lot of people claim at least part. Well, of that them. that's true because if you're working from home and you, you're occupying like one of the rooms, then you can usually use you can usually justify that as you know, kind of office costs and, and stuff. So yeah, you you can and you can get you know heating and internet access and all that sort of stuff count as a as a company expense. The key thing with company expenses is they come off before corporation tax so they're reducing your corporation tax yeah. and you're getting that benefit so let's say you wanted a new apple macbook how much is a macbook Air pro these days 1500 bucks i mean you can you can easily go okay. to let's thousand. say it's two thousand dollars <laughs> for a, a normal one then if you're buying that but from your own money then in order to get that money you will have had to pay income or dividend tax of some kind on it and potentially your company may have had to pay corporation tax on it as well. So, you know, that can be reducing the pool of money that you had in the first place really significantly. So it makes a lot more sense, therefore, to purchase as much as you can legally with it as an expense on your, your company so that you can, you know, you're not suffering these these taxes to the pool of money. So. It kind of like makes up for the cost of like having the company in the first place, like a lot of these things that you can expense. 
so yeah, like you, you need a home office setup, you need uh, you need all this stuff. Like you know, you you will cover like your accounting costs and the setup costs, etc. And you can at least zero in on that while having benefits of like cutting VAT off all these things and so on. So it's quite nice. And the other thing is as well is a lot of people don't realize this, but if you pay yourself a pension from your company, most small companies and most countries can do this. You pay yourself a pension from your company, then that also counts as an expense, as company expense. So you can add a lot of money to your pension pot without suffering corporation tax on it and without paying your own income tax on it. So it's kind of, and and it reduces your corporation tax burden as well. So it's a kind of like cheat way to increase your wealth. Of course, in most countries, you can't then take out your pension until you're 60 or something like that. So a lot of people would say, say probably listen to this thing, oh, pension, why I'm never going to get my pension. It's all the whole thing's a pyramid scheme and, and all that. And while that may be true for typical state pensions, generally how pensions work is if you, again, we're getting on the philosophy podcast here, but that's like not even philosophy, it's like tax, uh, tax optimization. Podcast. Yeah, well, it, but it's, it's such a such a huge win though, because you can invest your pension how you choose in many cases. So if you want to buy shares in Apple or, you know, whatever gold bullion ETFs, then you can do that. But you can maintain full control over this pot of money that, that's going to grow over time. And then you're going to get in when you retire or when you hit the state retirement age, wherever you, wherever you are. And a lot of it, you can often get tax-free. So it's in terms of wealth building, obviously you need to assume or make sure you're getting enough money to support yourself now and to buy a deposit in a home or whatever you want to do now. I'm not saying neglect that by any means, but if you have more money still, then it's really, really, really tax efficient to, to put money into a pension. Yeah, I was going to say, it depends on, on, on how much money you're making. Like, don't do that when you're making $2,000 a month. As you grow, these are the things. And it's, I, I know a lot of people that like, are afraid of corporate tax. So, you know, when I talk about setup to a lot of people, they're just like, oh, corporate tax and et cetera. But there's so many ways to, I mean, it costs money, but there's so many ways to cut it off between like all the expense, the stuff you can expense, between like these, these pension stuff, et cetera. You can really add it up to, to cut a lot of it. And also you can invest as a company, right? So if you're profitable as a company, like for us, if we want to cut our corporate tax, we can like start a new site and put like 30, 40 grand in a new site or something. Yep. And well, you own a site, you've, you've spent that money as a company. And so you don't pay corporation tax on it. You just need to time it right for the tax year. But if you do it, then like between like owning assets as a company, between expensing stuff, between pensions, et cetera, you can, you have a decent level of control over this, even though corporate tax exists and, and scares people up. Can we just give a final breakdown on how we do it ourselves, basically? Like, just so that, like, I've, I know, like, people hear all these advice, but they just want to know how it works for us. So, like, just give them a breakdown. Okay. So, Gail and I are shareholders in a UK company, and we pay ourselves a director salary, a fixed salary, which is like the minimum, almost tax free, but not quite almost tax free bracket in the in the UK. It's not much, but uh, we, we we pay ourselves that because. It reduces our corporation tax, reduces our gross profit, and we're getting that money out almost tax-free. Any profit which we make at the end of the the month, really, we distribute into a or any revenue we bring in per month, we distribute that into a percentage goes into a profit account, which is just another bank account called profit. I labeled it as that. Some goes into a war chest, some goes into 
operating expense account and some goes into a, a tax savings account. Then any money that's in the profit account, we can distribute a dividend whenever we choose. Uh, we generally do it so we're you know, maximizing or minimizing how much we're doing in each tax year, just depending on where we're living at the time and, and what we what we kind of need to, to do with that money or if we need to renovate an apartment or whatever, we'll you know, bring it forward. But that's the money is there. And so we can we can freely and happily take that out without worrying about, oh, is this going to affect our our business or or anything like that? Yeah, because it's already in a profit account. So, it's, yeah. I mean, it's already in a, the account we dedicate to that. Yeah. So, the, the, I mean, the percentage we send into that profit account is is pretty high for, for most business. But because we have no office, we have no stock, no cost of goods, it's just really our, our, our people, a bunch of software tools and writer expenses and, you know, <laughs> These these kinds of things, sort of do it this way. And it, it's it's nice and clean to be honest. And and you know the reason why we can we do that it's also super motivating. Like you see this account, this um this dividends account basically filling up, and every action you do, tops it up and adds some money to that. So like it will make you act differently to that perspective of selling your company in five years or you know selling your side eventually. You will waste money in this case. You'll be like, oh, it's company money, it's not my money, etc. But if it hits your personal bank account earlier, then you will have a different approach to it, you know? So true that. And um, even I consider myself a very logical person, able to sort of see through all these little nuances about how humans should behave, you know, psychologically and stuff. But in, in, in cases like this, when I see that profit, when we have a big launch and I see x percentage going into that profit account it's like oh my god like that's so so motivating we like it makes you realize like what's moving the needle for you personally um in terms of how much you're getting paid and then it like really forces you to make smarter business decisions and like focus on on what's what's moving the needle for your business yeah even that side sell like when we saw that side being of the year like it just triggered like a like a, a big dividend for us and it was uh you know it was like it felt like a direct reward to achieving something big for the company you know so you you're more tied to it and i think it changes your decision making a lot a lot more than you think and for the better to be honest it just it kind of forces you to keep that kind of like scrappy mentality that you have when you start your business but as you grow you kind of get comfortable and you just yeah, you know, this costs a bit more money, this costs a bit more money. And essentially, you're eating away your profit margin, you know? That's so, that's exactly it, yeah. It makes you focus on making money as opposed to spending money. Yeah, as we said, like, you get you get rich over time. Most people get rich over time, not everyone. Some people sell Instagram, you know? But the other ones, they usually get rich over time by just getting these dividends or, or however they take their money out paid that way. And so that is what we recommend to do. You know, maybe in a couple of years we'll change our opinion on this, but we'll buy Rolexes. Yeah. <laughs> if I if I have a Rolex, I stole it, you know. So anyway. <laughs> anyway, don't show me your Rolexes. Anyway, that's it for this podcast episode, guys. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy this. It's not pure SEO, but I think it's important for people who do what we do to hear this stuff. I think it can help you as a person do better and it's very relevant, much more than sometimes adding more tactics to your business. So we will talk more about more tactics in future podcast episodes, but I think that was an interesting podcast for us, an interesting topic for us to talk about. So thank you for listening. If you are not subscribed yet, we are on Spotify, we are on iTunes, we are on SoundCloud, we are on Stitcher, we are on Google Podcasts, pretty much anything where you can listen to your podcast, you can subscribe to us. 
And if you really enjoyed this episode, if you enjoy us going a little bit off track from a pure online marketing, but you know, online marketing lifestyle related topics, just let us know by dropping us a review on your favorite platform. We read all of them and uh, it helps us get the podcast out there. So thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training.